Hello everybody. Not long ago, a friend of mine asked me if I had signed a certain petition or if I was thinking about signing it. And I knew immediately what she was what kind of petition she was talking about. Some famous people in my country and also some ordinary not famous people had signed a petition which asked our politicians not to send heavy weapons to, to Ukraine, but instead help them negotiate for peace. This friend of mine was, when she was young, was active in the pacifist movement of my country. It was in the early 18s when the US Americans meant to station nuclear weapons on German ground and it followed a discussion in society, of course, whether we wanted this or not. The slogan then ran, better red than dead. And since German is one of the founding languages of English, it runs very much the same in German, besser rot als tot. The idea is, of course, that you would rather live under a, in those days, that was the, the time of the Cold War, that you would rather live under a red, meaning Soviet regime, than be dead. Little would either of us have thought that we are more or less in the same decision-making situation now. When the war broke I'm sorry, I was going to say when the war broke out, but that, that's a strange way of putting it, isn't it? Although it's usual, because it means it was nobody's responsibility. It just so happened that suddenly, like a volcano, there was a war. Of course, that's not how it happened. So let me rephrase it. When the Russians invaded Ukrainian territory, I happen to be in Berlin, and Berlin is quite close to the east side of Europe. Because if you look at this is the Ukraine, and then next comes Poland, and then only 90 minutes behind the Polish border is Berlin. So yes, you feel, you are and you feel very much towards the east. And as we sat in front of the television set, aghast on the 24th of February, as we all know, in 2022, aghast in front of the television, the question did come up quite quickly. What would we do if the Russians also attacked Polish and then German? territory. And it was clear to me, emotionally, immediately, that I would not go away, but that I would stay and fight. And since, of course, I had time to think this over rationally, and I haven't changed my mind. My Ukrainian refugees, the young woman who is staying with me, maintains that a hundred percent 
of the Ukrainians are for fighting. Now what is it that we are ready to defend with our lives? I mean our lives, that the most we can give, isn't it? And not just the Ukrainians and me. If you look at Eastern Europe, the Finns and the Swedes, after decades of hoping to retain peace by remaining neutral, have joined NATO. The Baltic states have made ready to defend themselves, so the Estonians, the Latvians, the Lithuanians making, have made ready. The Polish have taken thousands and thousands of Ukrainian refugees and are making ready. Ukraine and Moldavia have since become prospect members of the EU. The Balkan state have been waiting to join the EU for something like 20 years. And even the Georgians farther away still. So what is it that we all, we millions of people, and all those also those millions of Western Europeans that have sustained Ukraine against the Russians, what is it that is so important that we're ready to give our lives for? I mean life. That is the, the end of everything. That's the best you can give, or the most important you can give, isn't it? And you know, that's the one word for it. Yes, you know. Democracy. Ancient Greek for rule of the people. And if it weren't for those mostly Ukrainians, who have given and will give their lives, and of course also other soldiers from other nationalities. If it weren't for them, and for the terrible misery and pain and sorrow this brings over thousands of people, if it weren't for that, this would be a moment in history of joy. This is an important moment. For thousands and thousands of years, we had dictatorships. You can go in any time and at any place you like. There was a ruling class, a small ruling class, be it a king, an emperor, a warlord, warlord a high priest of some sorts. And, of course, their entourage doesn't work one-man show, of course, this one dictator needs followers, otherwise it wouldn't work. And together, but a small minority in the country, and together they subdue the vast majority of their countrymen and their countrywomen in order to enrich themselves. When we hear about dictators these days leaving, or you know, when being chased away finally, it, you, we always get to know that they were incredibly rich, filthy rich. <laughs> it's in the English language, that. And now, it seems, I think, we have come to a moment in history in which we, 
ordinary people don't want that anymore. We don't want to be told what to do and what not to do. We don't want to be told what to think and what not to think, and what to say and what not to say. We, want, we have come of age. We are finally adults. In thousands of years of the history of the humankind, we have finally come of age. We want to live our own lives. We want to decide for ourselves. And that is why these millions of people are ready to defend with their own lives their freedom. The freedom to make your own mistakes even, to decide for, the, for themselves. That's as simple as that, or maybe it isn't simple. So next time, let's look a little more precisely at what exactly does a democracy consist of? What do we need so that a country can work as a democratic country, shall we? And until that moment, stay firm. Defend your freedoms in your small own life and also in your country and in the bigger world at large. And I wish you all the best in that fight. Goodbye for today.